here in a second. Boom. All right, we are live. Uh, anybody out there watching, sorry, uh, a little bit late. Uh, my dogs decided to create some shenanigans with my setup here. Um, welcome to the Brew Trails. We're doing our second video interview uh, that we've done, and it'll be audio on the podcast as well. Uh, today is a really cool one because we are talking with someone who is further away than we've ever talked to anyone. But this is the second one, so that's not too hard to do. <laughs> but uh, all the way, <laughs> oh, there he is right there. Um, hopefully we get some people joining in. And uh, as we talk, please, if you have any questions, tweet them uh, at the Brew Trails. And I will be watching my, my phone on the side and I'll, I'll be asking our, our guests that. Um, or you can post it on Facebook comments, but to tweet it would be the best because I'll be able to see that right off the bat. All right, so today, we or tonight, actually, it's kind of dark, uh, but we'll, uh, we're talking with Andy, who is all the way down in Tucson. So, Andy, welcome. There you are. Thanks, man. Good to see you. <laughs> Good to see you as well. Haven't seen you in a little while, but uh, I did see you up in Flagstaff about, what was that? Um, about, uh, was it a month ago or so? Or was yeah, it was, it, was about, it was about a little bit more than a month ago, but around there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, well, we'll get all into that, what that was all about. Um, but Andy Schlicker, yeah. is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, you got it. Uh, good choice. Okay. <laughs> Andy Schlicker, Tucson, Arizona. Uh, so let's start right off the bat. Tucson, Arizona. Uh, I brought an assortment of things, some of my favorite things about Tucson. I do love that little town. It is a, a very cool, I think it's a cool community kind of oriented town. Um, so I'll just kind of throw these your way. Um, I've got uh, Saguaro U today from, <laughs> from good old, my favorite gear shop down there, the Summit Hut. Uh, hopefully that's still around. I haven't been down there in a while. Oh, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's still alive and very popular. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, and then a spot that I used to always hit up, uh, Native Seed Search. Um, I got some uh, Chipotle's given to me by Catlo Shipek when he came nice. up to do a race. Uh, so always love Native Seed Search. Uh, they had some awesome rad, obviously Native stuff. And um, so and those are Native to Mexico, so not quite too some. Uh, Chiltepins. These are yeah, little Yeah, there we go. Oh, love Chiltepins. Chiltepins or Chiltepins. What do you, how do you say it? Uh, I, I believe it's Chiltepin, but, you know, tomato, tomato. It depends on who you ask, I guess. <laughs> yeah. What's a Tomato. <laughs> uh, yeah, chiltepins, chiltepins, they're these tiny little peppers. If you ever get a chance to get your hands on them, they're, they're little. I should eat one on air right now. Yeah, they are hot, man. Dude, they're really hot. But the thing is with those I like about that, like a habanero sticks on your mouth and on your tongue and like it just sucks for like an hour. Uh, the chiltepins actually have like a decent flavor. It's really hot, but it, for me at least, it, it goes away. Yeah, um, pretty, yeah, pretty quickly. Nice. Yeah, uh, put them in ice cream and all that. Anyway, this is not the Chiltepin <laughs> broadcast. Uh, and then finally, uh, an old <laughs> ratty, beat up uh, climbing guide squeezing the lemon from one of my favorite little climbing areas down in Tucson, the Santa Catalina Mountains. So, uh, yeah. So I just thought I'd uh, you know make you feel a little bit more. Well, wait. Why would you not feel home? You are in Tucson right now, aren't you? Are you in Tucson? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure am. <laughs> cool. And have you always been in Tucson? Did you were you born and raised there? Or grow up there or, or no? 
Yeah, born, bed, and raised. Uh, grew up, uh, always grew up on the northwest side of town, but end up working downtown all the time now, it seems like. But yeah, always been here. Yeah, nice. Cool. A, a native. Um, are those as hard to come by there as they are in Flagstaff? It seems like nobody's from Flagstaff hardly here. That's kind of how I felt in my journeys there. I always felt like somebody was from Phoenix or from, you know, surrounding areas. But Tucson's interesting. Um, you know, as time moves on, of course, the city grows larger. We're starting to get more uh, what we call transplants. And that's what that's what it was kind of referred to when I went to Portland a lot. So now there's there's a lot less natives, but you it's it's still a good mix i feel like especially downtown now on the northwest side i think it's a little bit more prevalent but sometimes depending on the year so for right now uh, we're having a lot of snowbirds coming down mm. so it it kind of varies honestly but for the most part you know it's there's it's a growing number of a lot of people just coming down from colorado or california uh, you know other places like that yeah, yeah. Thus is thus is Arizona, man. It's mm. it even depends on the month to know your your demographic here. <laughs> yeah, that's actually very true. Yeah. Um, all right. Cool. So before we even get any further, um, we need to have a beer uh, poured in our glasses. So right now we'll talk about it later. But right now I am going to be drinking uh, the beer that you and I and Ryan made. Um, in our collaboration efforts. So a nice little, uh, um, should we just go ahead and talk about, no, we'll, we'll wait to talk about this one. Um, okay. I, will, I will pour it right now, so. Yeah. Ooh, nice. Good sound. Yeah, that did sound good. good. Yeah. All right, and this, <laughs> I'm sorry, this is kind of a, t oh. Oh, it smells so good. I'm sorry, man. This is kind of a I, Yeah, I'm, because, dying, I'm uh, dying for it. Yeah, Andy has not actually had a chance to, uh, to get his hands on this yet, but uh, this weekend, hopefully at the end of the weekend, maybe beginning of the week, we'll get a keg. Flagstaff in Tucson, we self-distribute, so we gotta figure out a way of getting there. Um, but oh, here is the beer. Is this yeah. overly? Is this really cruel for you, or no? It's it's. Uh, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. On a, uh, okay. a, a, yeah, I want it. I want it in my mouth. I wish. Uh, I wish you could have smell-o vision here. Now I'm sure the color. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the hops on that are are really good. Sorry to be talking about that about like a beer that I did. You know, me and you did, but I'm proud of it, man. It's so good. Well, that's so that's delicious. what I'm glad of. That's what I'm. That's what I wanted. I'm, I'm glad it turned out like that. Yeah, because we'll talk about it. But it was a uh, oh, I love you too, beer. There's a little heart foam. Oh, it went away. A little, <laughs> a little heart foam, man. <laughs> Great. So yeah, there's definitely a story behind this beer of, of some struggles to make it what it is, but it is a, a, a proud beer for sure. What are you, uh, are you sipping on anything over there in Tuxedo? Yeah, uh, I, I'm limited resources on uh, other stuff, so I decided to grab something kind of nice from the cellar since I've never done one of these things, but uh, yeah, I grabbed the uh, uh, Bone Goose Marriage Parfait, and you can see how old the damn thing is because the label's filling off, but it's from 2007. <laughs> Uh, originally brewed probably back in 2003 and four, but what? Or actually, yeah, no, 2006, yeah. So, so it was. Uh, holy, you're pull okay. I'm embarrassed. You're pulling out the big guns on this one, man. Well, I mean, I, 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 I didn't have really. I had other stuff from the fridge, but I didn't want to go pick anything <laughs> up. <out. laughs> That's awesome. So it uh, released 2006. Yeah. 
So I got my hands on it like, like about five years ago, and I've just been sitting on it. So That's awesome. And for some of the people who are watching a, a goose, there's something special about a goose and, and the reason why you say it was originally brewed earlier than it was released. Um, I guess quickly, could you describe a, a, a goose? Yeah, and this one's actually kind of a little bit of a more particular uh, cat to speak of. Uh, but yeah, a goose is traditionally a unblended lambic that's spontaneously fermented. Um, it's essentially a one or two year and a three year uh, really blonde pale ale and then it's all kind of blended together so that the flavor all balances each other. The one year usually gives the most carbonation. Uh, this cat in particular, the, this, the, the one that separates this, uh, again in a nutshell just so it, it makes uh, sense, is this one's uh, called Marriage Parfait so it's a specific blend so it's actually almost uh, 90, 92 or 93% three year and just a little oh. bit of one year for uh, carbonation. So specifically it's a spicked, uh, picked from casks that the brewer prefers that can actually be sold almost on its own and just, you know, use a little bit of a one year for flare up for carbonation, just a little bit of a other excitement for the beer to, uh, condition well in the bottle. So oh. that's cool. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, blender's choice, I guess, is kind of how it how it goes with those. Because they're I usually think that's what it means. I think that's what marriage parfait means, or like perfect fit, oh. or something like that. Yeah, I okay, guess so... I don't know. I don't know Flemish. <laughs> <laughs> but so you're saying that's a specific type of goose? Um, I I don't think so. I just just a good play on their words. But yeah, okay. I, I think that's essentially just what it translates to. Gotcha. Cool. Um, right on. Well, you're drinking a good beer. I'm drinking good beer. Um, it's, we'll it's talk quite about smooth, this. Yeah. Is it? Oh, you you've tried it. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, it's it's really nice. It's actually quite smooth. It's not super crazy. It's not super sour. It's actually mellow. Yeah. Sweet. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Oh, that does look good. Yeah, it's nice. Nice little pale cat. Mine's carbonated for sure. I'm burping over here. Um, yeah, if you just <laughs> just join us, uh, Andy from Tucson. Uh, we'll learn a little bit about him starting a, a brewery down there in the Tucson area. So if you have any questions for him and about really about just how to start a brewery, um, or at least the process he's gone through so far, or the beer scene in Tucson, uh, send your tweets to at the Brew Trails. Love to get your questions on there. Um, to ask him so uh brewing you're you're a brewer you're definitely a brewer and <laughs> i would hope so <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it helps a little bit um how how long what's your brewing background like where did it start um how long have you been brewing uh why did you start brewing tell me tell me andy's story with brewing <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting um it's it's definitely, you know, nothing where I, I got stranded when I was a kid and got picked up by, like, you know, Vinny Cherenzo and, like, learned, learned from him from the beginning or anything like that. I don't, have a, I don't have one of those cool stories. That would be awesome. Um, uh, but I, I think my interesting background, uh, what happened is I, uh, I didn't really start brewing up until about three or four years ago. And a uh, reason for that being is I was uh, in college for a long time and I was always really a craft beer connoisseur since a young age and actually particularly at age, I wasn't very legal to do it at, but um, <laughs> it kind of just became like a love of mine, uh, became a little bit more popular in the scene in Tucson where uh, I kind of climbed up some of the ranks and started selling really good bottles at a lot of places. And in lieu of that, I got to meet a lot of brewers. 
Got to meet a lot of the cats over at Dragoon before they opened. Uh, I got to leave, meet a lot of the people that work at Barrio. Some of the, you know, where, where that follows, you know, you, you meet people that, you know, get, try new things and get inspired and talking to them, getting into the scene, they always kind of, you know, nudged me to get into brewing and stuff like that. And so uh, yeah. none of that actually really happened for a while up until 2013 when I started working up in uh, at Tap and Bottle. And then I met my business partner. <clears throat> and uh, I started brewing a couple of like little batches of Saison Blue and stuff over at uh, Dragoon. And uh, at the time I was in grad school and I just kind of really, really wasn't ha happy with where life was going. And I, I thought for the longest time, brewing is a scientist thing. You know, it's, it's hard. I can't do that. You know, home brewers are really cool. You know, I can't, I can't do that. You know, it's a hard thing to do. And then when I finally got to the, thrown in the lion's ring, you know, I'm, I'm on this 15 barrel premier system and, you know, Eric Green's behind me telling <laughs> oh, me exactly what to do. It's like, holy shit, this is pretty gnarly, you know? So, uh, I, I fell in love with it in a really fast way. And then that's kind of when some of the more technical questions started happening. It's like, where's the sugar coming from the, the mash and everything? Cause I always knew the, the breakdown of, you know, how you malted barley, you know, um, how there's different types, you know, you know, roasted barley versus two row and things like that, six row and all that jazz. I kind of always knew those basics. I always had a knack for the flavor profile. I always loved eating grains. But then when I started, you know, brewing over at 1055, like a, a couple months later, um, I just really kind of fell in love with the science, started reading about it, uh, got really familiar with all the literature really fast. And then Having that experience where, you know, day in, day out, you're actually throwing out grain in the mash tun and actually doing things you really learn quick that it's not all about the fun. You, you learn this more about cleaning and all of that stuff. And that's kind of when I fell in love with the idea of like, hey, this is something that I can actually get the hang of. And before you knew it, I, I started working at Pueblo Vida and uh, started working on a seven barrel system, making the Hefeweizen. And then I uh, got, got, got familiar with wine cleaning and all that. So... Uh, no, it's an interesting process. I never really was a guy who got to do it every weekend. Uh, I got to do a couple homebrew batches with my business partner, and that's really how we started talking numbers and getting the hang of things. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of blew up after that. And before you knew it, we were doing gypsy brews. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. yeah. I wanted to actually ask you that if you considered yourself a, a gypsy brewer because you, you talk about <clears throat> all these all these different places that you brewed at in Tucson. Mm -hmm. And I think – I think that's really rad. I think that's so cool to be up. Yeah, this beer is carbonated. Um, <laughs> to be able to hop around and and actually like, do you feel that that was a a really big part of your learning process to be able to hit all those different places, or do you think you were getting the same thing from each place? No, it was, everything's a, everything was a beautiful learning process. How that kind of worked out was like. Well, like working at one place and then being able to do, you know, brews at another place. Like when we started doing the Kickstarter uh, for, 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 for Flux, we did like, you know, four to five different beers with four different breweries across Tucson. And oh, I think wow. the, the, the hardest part with anybody and any brewer would know that not every brewery has the same system, has the same water chemistry, has the same dynamics oh, yeah. and everything. So I felt like it was a good testament as ourselves to kind of prove to the community that we could actually make a decent beer at all these different places, but also match the same character at the brewery. So that kind of wow. took a little bit of a, that intimate factor of just knowing the brewers, knowing the beers, 
understanding what they made. And then it was the challenging part that I thought well, that was really cool. And what really gave me the largest spike in learning how all of this stuff works is, you know, making and understanding everything on a five gallon and a 10 gallon batch in my head and then trying to scale it up to a two or a three or three and a half or a seven or a 10, uh, you know, and it was just, it, which is all the different size barrel systems that we made the collaborations on. And it was just a trip, you know, trying to figure out how one of them was a double batch. That was the old L that we did with 1912. So just trying to figure out how, you know, even scaling up a three and a half to seven so that it matches up everything. So that was hard. And I think the best part in all of that was learning just how, how it really works in the, in the back end of recipe development. And that kind of gave us the boost to really uh, understand the scene and kind of, you know, realize that, you know, yeast management's a big deal and, you know, you can make a lot of really fun beer. It's, it's, it's cool. It was just a, a huge, huge learning boost. Yeah, I can't even imagine hitting that many different systems with recipe, like you said, with recipe development and numbers because it's not just going from a three barrel to a, I don't even know if they make six barrel, but going from a three barrel to a six barrel, it's not just double everything. Uh, there's different <clears throat> efficiencies, brew house efficiencies, the hop utilization right. is totally different. Hell, the, the elevation that you're at, you know, you came up to Flagstaff, the hop utilization there is is way different. So to do all those different brew houses and, and like you said water chemistry you know tucson's a big city so um do you find a lot of different water chemistry differences um from from place to place uh so that's a really good question actually um and this is a really 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 actually i'm glad you asked this question this is interesting because i still have mm -hmm. to figure this out myself we're we are the we are the south we are the southmost brewery in tucson so i wonder if we have a different water oh. table but we are close enough to 1055 and green feet and Nimbus. And I'm pretty sure we're, we're, we're on the same thing, but um, I don't really, I haven't really seen too much of a variance. You know, it's, it's interesting. I think for the most part, all of the 13 breweries in Tucson uh, share almost, I, okay. 13. Yeah. So Catalina and Dillinger, Dillinger's not open yet. Uh, they're the only two that are actually on a separate water table because they're really close to Marana. Hmm. Yeah, so, and I have found a, a, a very large taste difference in the Catalina's beers, and not in a bad way, but they do have, they do have a different mineral complex, so it, it's very interesting how the beers turn out very different, uh, but other than that, yeah, a lot of it is just, you know, filtering the crap out of our hard water in Tucson, so. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, living in Phoenix, and, and what you guys have to do with the water there as compared to Flagstaff is, is crazy. That's such another layer of the cake that you guys have to deal with. Um, you talked about, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. You're the guest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just going to say in some breweries do just do, do they do vary their water chemistry just a little bit. You know, some, some places are looking into different things. I know when I left Pueblo Vida, they were thinking about blending, you know, RO with, uh, um, uh, city water, which almost gives us the same profile as Munich or Burton on Trent. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of really cool things that you can do to kind of play around with your water. I know we do a little bit of uh, chemistry over at Borderlands. I don't know the specifics, but we all kind of just have our fun. And especially depending on the style, I know most of the brewers in Tucson kind of jazz stuff up when it comes to IPAs a little bit, just because bicarbonates cut uh, bitterness so much. So, 
makes your great yeah. stouts kind of kind of fights you on ipas a little bit yeah cool nice we are nerding this up quite a bit here with talking about water chemistry so uh yeah let's uh cut that out for a little bit <laughs> <laughs> so you guys uh or you, you talked about you guys being the southernmost brewery, uh, going to be the southernmost brewery. So we had a question um, on Facebook from Albert uh, Hauser. He says, "Where is uh, where is the new brewery located in Tucson? So where exactly is your? Well, first of all, let's we'll get to, to Albert's question here in a second. But first of all, what's going on with with your brewery? Um, you're starting a brewery, right?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're starting a brewery. What, um, uh, you mentioned the name, I think you did flux. So yeah. is that going to be the name of your brewery? No, actually right now what we're working on is going through a rebranding phase. So we're working on waiting on talking to Caliente, which is like a chapter of, you know, uh, Tucson weekly. And, mm -hmm. uh, we're going to basically launch an article, kind of explain ourselves a little bit, but also at the same time uh, announce a rebranding. So we got, we kind of got uh, more or less a, a thumbs up from our attorney about the success of our, our of our trademark for our new name, which is going oh, nice. to be Hard, Hard Bottle Brewing Company. So H-A-R-B-O-T-T-L-E. So yep. we're kind of just waiting on uh, some other things. And as soon as that happens, we're going to just launch the rebranding. We actually have the new website ready. Um, well, we have all the new photos and everything to switch over. So the Facebook will basically say the same, but it'll change from flux to hard bottle. And then the website will say the same, but we're just going to rebrand on that too. So we're, we're really ready to, uh, kind of do it. So we're just kind of waiting on a few uh, pins and needles to come through. Yeah. That's what a, what another addition to starting a brewery you run into to name yeah. things and have to rebrand already. Um, I really, I do like, I, I, if you go onto you guys' website, um, if people go on there, uh, there's a little write-up, a little story about Harbottle. Um, and when you first mentioned that to me when you're up in Flagstaff, it's like, what, what does that mean? What does that even mean? Uh, but if people go to your website, they'll see like a cool story about, I mean, there's a story about like cannonballs flying onto islands, like the Hawaiian <laughs> Islands and kings and all that. So um, we won't get in that because I want people to go to the website and, uh, and check that out. Um, but it's actually a, a really cool connection with one of your partners. Is it one of your partners? Yeah. So uh, I'm, yeah. I'm one of three. So it's Sam Croak and then Michael Figuera. But it, that's, uh, that he's, he's the main owner and he, uh, that's, his, that's his seventh great grandfather. So it's yeah. a whole family background. It's pretty amazing. So uh, we decided on rolling with that as a beautiful name for the brewery after we kind of ran into the snag with the winery in uh, Napa Valley about flux. So yeah, yeah. So I think I think it'll go real well. At least I guess it's actually a good thing that you're starting out with that right off the bat instead of getting right. in a couple years down the road and all of a sudden discovering, you know, you get this letter from flux winery, I think in, in Napa. Well, Valley. it's uh, I can't remember the names, the general, the gentleman's name. I probably don't want to at this point, but um, he has a trade. Uh, <laughs> he was, you almost kind. made me spit. You almost made me spit. That was a bad time for me to take a sip of beer. When you said you don't <laughs> probably want to know his name. Sorry. Uh, well, I didn't, I just don't want to remember. I don't care. Remember it. Uh, but the Joe, <laughs> but basically the gentleman's had a, a trademark on flux for quite a while. And it's, it's not like flux red. It literally is flux, but it's tied to quite a few red wines. So in the eyes of the USPTO, even if we tried to fight it essentially is what he said is it probably won't fly. And, 
he was cordial enough, you know, but it, unfortunately at the end of the day, it's what it is. And we decided this would be a healthier route versus spending money in court and essentially oh, yeah. making an enemy out of somebody in Napa Valley, which when we want to go to at one point, we want to use wine barrels for souring and, you know, all kinds of fun stuff. So it just much more kosher in the way that I thought, like, you know, just going for a different name. Which Definitely. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But like I said, I think uh, it's got a really cool background, um, the, the new name. And so once I saw that, I was like, oh, cool, rad. I like that a lot. Have you guys got, have you guys, uh, I know the answer to this, but I'm like, hey, have you guys uh, gotten a space yet for, for the new brewery? Yeah, actually. So to answer the question asked earlier, and I still, I, it's so new to us, I still got to keep looking oh. at the address, even though I've burned it in my brain a million times now at this point. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, Albert. Uh, yeah, back to your question about where the brewery is. <laughs> so uh, we are on Palo Verde and Ajo in southeast Tucson, which I'm really super excited about. We're right next to uh, Chopsticks and the Tile Shop. So our official address is, I always have to look this up, so 3820 South Palo Verde. So I'm really excited about being there. We're in a nice little community neighborhood. There is Yellow Brick not too far from us. There's uh, 1055 Brewing Company, Green Feet Brewing Company, Nimbus Brewing Company, and soon to be Copper Mine Brewing Company, uh, moving mm. in right. You know, so we're 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 actually part of a nice community. Three Wells Distilling Companies out there. Ooh, so oh, we have, have another. Distiller. Yes, yeah, they make some fun I, stuff too. And they make barrels that you can grab. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So that's awesome that you have all those. Um, it's. It's cool. It's like not, it's not competition when you have, in my mind, when you have all these breweries kind of in a good space together, it's, it's going to help everybody out because people are going to be like, okay, let's go this area and go boom, 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 and hit all of these um, different spots. And you said, so I know Green Feet just opened recently within the last couple of months. And then was it Copper Basin? Is that another one coming online? Yeah, Copper Mine. Yeah, they actually started a little. They started trench work not too long ago, so they're a little bit of ahead uh, ahead of us as far as construction wise and and all that jazz goes. So uh, I haven't met the folks over there yet, but I'm really excited that we have new neighbors and there's even rumors of another brewery kind of popping up around the corner. So ooh, nice. Yeah, the Tucson beer scene just seems to be to be rising, and so uh, that's that's awesome. Um, Tucson to get a lot of people to go down there from the valley to, to, to experience Tucson and the, and the community feel and the beautiful mountains and thing. I, I'm stoked. I'm stoked for Tucson, even though it's so far away. It's not what four hours away. I think from Flagstaff about I've, I've made it there in a little less. I mean, not, not speeding or anything, Whoa, but you, yeah. know. <laughs> you, you were not going through Phoenix in a, uh, a traffic time then that's <laughs> no, no, not at all. Yeah. And usually, you know, I, I think one, one, the one time I left, I left that one, I got there at like, four so like three hours that was wow holy cow all right we won't do the math on how fast that means yeah. <laughs> um, oh, it's legal it's all good <laughs> okay good. nice <laughs> um yeah we talked about your your partners um you said you worked with one at tap and bottle and how did you how did you meet the uh, other guy i forget his name i'm sorry Sam Croak. So he's a great guy. Uh, Sam Sam has been uh, Mike's best friend for a very, very, very long time. And I met him a long time ago, kind of as just like a regular over at Tap and Bottle. And so he was kind of a higher up in Verizon. 
and for the longest time, always wanted to be a part of the brewing, uh, you know, just not necessarily to the scene, but he wanted to be a part of our project. So eventually, you know, we started talking and, you know, he bought the brew system. So uh, it just, you know, he's, he's slowly become, you know, a huge part of our business and he's going to provide measurable amount of infrastructure and, and great things for, you know, the back end as well as the front end for the brewery. I mean, the man knows how to make a brand. So he's, he's, he's a great addition to the brewery. Yeah, that's so. that's an awesome person to have. It sounds like because, yeah, you need that business side, you need that branding side. Um, you obviously, I mean, just talking with you, you got the science down, the brewing down. That's really what it comes down to for success with breweries. Um, mm. Some people are riding the coattails of like the big craft beer boom, but I think the ones that are going to succeed are the ones that have partners and owners and people involved that are. Uh, it's not just brewing beer, man. It's, it's running a business. So having those people mm-hmm. is huge. And I'm so happy to hear that you've got that guy um, to, to help you out with those kind of things. Right. And it's amazing because Mike, uh, my, the, 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 the head owner, he, he's, he and his wife own a salon on the Northwest side of town. So he's already been in, in the business world for a very long time. He's been a brewer for about 15 years. So, I mean, He's really the oh, one guy nice. that at the end of the day, like he's, he's kind of my, he's my Yoda. I feel, I still uh-huh. feel like I'm Luke Skywalker, but we still nice. have fun. You know, the, the, I still, the science side, he kind of lets me kind of run to, run to heaven's Betsy with that, you know, with the sour stuff, because he still tells me to speak English when I uh, <laughs> talk to him. So, I mean, he knows what I'm saying. He, I mean, we're both certified Cicerones. That's the other beautiful thing about us. We both got our certifications nearly at the same time so it was a beautiful thing in tucson and for us and for the brewery and uh you know there's there's not many people in tucson that can say that so it's near and dear to our hearts you know so and also it's it's great because you know it lets people know that when they come to our place they're going to have really good service and it's going to be fun so absolutely yeah uh anyone who wants to dive down the rabbit hole can with you that's for sure man you were blowing my mind with some of the science stuff i mean i have the science background but you're you're knocking me back with some of those uh chemical formulas and all that so you're on top of that for sure what uh we did have another question um somebody asked uh what uh for you to are you wearing what hat are you wearing is that a, a guild hat that you have on oh yeah yeah i got uh so that's the arizona brewers guild so we joined back a couple years ago and then i got my little my little certified pen on the side of it that i got with the with the oh. diploma that Ray Daniels sends you when you actually, you know, pay and, and oh. pass the test. <laughs> nice. That, that must be what they were asking. They said, what's on your hat? And so I guess. Oh, sorry, yeah. They, that's, they uh, that's that guy right there. Hold on. I don't know if you can see it very well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, that's the little oh, nice. pen. They, that's the little pen they send you when you get your, uh, when you get your certified Cicerone. So I don't, oh, I don't sweet. have a damn use for it any other way. So I just threw it on the hat. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Dude. Yeah. High five for that. Yeah. Good job, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll work on that. Yeah, one. it was a hard test. I mean, I failed the I failed the tasting portion the first time. It's not a joke. It's very difficult. The written yeah. portion I spent the full three hours for uh, passed fairly well. Got a very good score on it. But yeah, I just bombed the tasting. And the only reason I bombed the tasting is because I second guessed myself. So whoever is yeah. out there that wants to do it, if you want to do it, just, you know, always remember, man, just when you're doing QC back at home, just always trust your gut. Like mm. I can't even tell, tell you more than enough that the first time that I did it, 
The first time I took it, every answer I had was the right answer. And then I second-guessed mm. myself, and every answer was wrong. So second time I took it, you know, I just trusted my gut, and I, I aced the tasting portion. And because of that, they, you know, they, they give you a certain amount of time, and then you can pass the test. So it's awesome. Nice. Go with your gut. How many times do we hear that with so many things, man? You just like go with yeah. your gut. Uh, or in this case, not necessarily your gut, but go with your, your nose and your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go with your nose. <laughs> yeah. And, we're, and just to be clear, we're not talking about the, the server Cicerone. We're talking about the certified. Yeah. The level two. The certified. Yeah. yeah level yeah. two. And then the third level is like the crazy. Is that the masters? Is there level? No, level? there's there's actually a fourth now, and this actually all happened oh. after we got the tier two because we were kind of bummed because it was it felt so good to be like yeah we're there. And then they advanced advanced Cicerone, which is feasible because the the again the jump from certified uh, beer server to Cicerone is just absolutely insane, and it just gets oh, fifty yeah. times more complex with the master. The master is the one that throws you bar chemistry and just there's just some challenging stuff that test wants you to know uh but the advanced is kind of nice because it's the bridge to that the only yeah. downside is it's oh, I, very expensive <laughs> oh is it okay yeah because that that jump I, I think the the master's the very top which i guess now is level four i'm learning something here uh level yeah. four is I, what is it? There's like less than 15 in the U.S. or something like there, that. At the at the system. moment, there's only nine in the world. Nine. Yeah. Oh, in the world. Yeah. So it's it's crazy. And I think I, I think it's eight or nine. I know it's yeah. It's something super super small. So um, so anyway, I just want to make sure it's not you know that people knew and I knew it's not that that server level. It's the it's the certified Cicerone, which is. Uh, it seems like each step is a huge leap and bound from the other step. It is pretty. Take. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's fun. Um, it's cool stuff. Let's. I want to talk about. I want to talk about um, Harbottle and and where you guys are looking to go with that. Uh, you know what? What niche are you looking to feel? What? What style? What? What's really going to pump you guys up with? Uh, the the type of beers that you're going to present, and then I guess a two part question. Uh, the second part would be, what are you guys going to look for your space to be like? What kind of feel are you guys going for? So um, that's a lot. So what what what's your what's your beer style? What what do you want to put into people's glasses with with Harbottle? What do you want to put in people's face holes? Uh, let's what do see. you want to put in their uh, face hole? <laughs> this um, by the way, this. Uh, this beer that I'm putting in my face hole that Andy came up and brewed oh, with us God, man. Um, is, is delicious. It, it tastes like – it tastes like – so, okay, so let's pause on that question because I want to talk about this beer. So, Andy, you came cool. up and we oh, – let's take two more steps back. Um, why did you come to Dark Sky to do a collaboration? Oh, man, uh, that's a great question. Yeah, I fell in love with you guys the second I walked in just because – I, well, you know, I generally like just the how big or small a brewery is before I walk in, you know, and, and I, I knew you guys were small. I heard three barrel. So then when I walk in, I saw, you know, 17 beers on tap. I was like, <laughs> what in the, what the, you know, how that, how, how, like, you know, that's just my head's just sitting there like spinning. So, you know, cause I'm trying to look around the corner. I'm like, what are they like, got like two different brew houses going? Like what the hell is going on here? So that kind of that that was really cool, and then I saw all the beers, and what kind of struck me is like, hey, that's kind of like, oh, remind me of Borderlands, you know? We do some flavored and adjunct, and some kind of 
different stylized beers there. So I kind of saw somewhat of a connection. You know, there is a lot of differences. Hmm. But then when I just kind of like, and trust me, I didn't do a flight of 17 in a row. I came back two different days. But, um, oh, jeez, no. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, I just get, I gained an appreciation because you guys were really nailing down some of these styles, but then also having some fun with a lot of these beers. And so that was the first time I went. And then uh, that was back, I think, in April. So that was always a kind of a nice impression. And I think back then I was kind of just more of an in and out because I was just, it was the first time I've ever been in Flagstaff in general. Oh, wow. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that was the very first time I ever went to Flagstaff. So that was a great first impression, you know. So then I came back, you know, several weeks later, uh, did that for a good kick for, for months, you know, but then that I'd say the second or third time I came in, just kind of noticed there is a severe curve in like the quality of the beer. And that's when I think you guys came out with, uh, that, what, what was the, what was the first lager you guys came out with the Mexican lager? Uh, yeah. Mexican simpatico. Yeah. Mexican yeah lager. That's what, that's when I had that, that's when I was like, all right, you know what? I want to do a beer with these guys. They know what the hell they're doing big time. Like, cause when it, cause you know, my thing is like, you know, <laughs> people do IPAs. IPAs are very trendy and some people do them better than others. And sometimes it just comes down to raw resource material acquisition, you know? And mm-hmm. this was kind of just like, dude, if you could pull off a logger like that, holy hell, like let's have some fun. So, <laughs> right. yes. Yeah, so, oh, that's awesome. So that was kind of my thing. And then, uh, yeah, even, you know, later in that same interaction, I think I was talking to, I was talking to you and then, and then, uh, Ryan came around the corner with the sample of the Decker and I had that and I almost fell out of my damn chair and I was just like, okay, yeah, we were, <laughs> I was like, this is just happening too fast, too good. Like guys, we really need to do something. So. And it was just, it was organic, you know, it just kind of grew from me wanting to go back to the place a lot. Uh, the person I was with at the time was, you know, she showed me the place and then it was just kind of like, oh, you know, I like going there and I was just like, oh, I'm going to go back. I'll see you later. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just because it was fun. It's it's nice to, and, you know, we're beer nerds and that's kind of the feel that I got. Also, the ambiance of the place was great and it was very welcoming, inviting and warm. So that was kind of another thing too. So good staff, all those other accoutrements that come with it. Man. I, yeah, well, I wasn't, I wasn't fishing for that, but uh, that was awesome to hear. That's always super. It's so hard to, to, to realize when people do like your, your place and what you're doing with your beers and, and you might find this as well. Maybe you won't, but you know, you take a, you take a critique about a hundred times more seriously, not seriously, more, more to heart than you do to compliments. But nowadays it's just, it's, that's awesome. Thanks for saying that, man. And, and it yeah, was organic. It was, it was totally organic. And I remember, you know, the, the energy from you, I think that's not only the science and the brewing, but what Andy's going to bring to Tucson into the brew scene is, is this like really fun energy. <clears throat> that's why I immediately was like, Hey man, can we do a podcast? Because you know, you're stoked about what you're doing and, and your energy's good and sitting down at the bar that one day and, and talking about what we're going to do, what we want to do was, was awesome. So your energy was Man, this is carbonated for sure. Your energy was uh, <laughs> was something that, that just fed me, you know, fed me and Ryan. So, um, so that's cool. So I, I don't think I saw you the first time you came by, but I think the second time um, is when me and you met. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So um, then we decided to, to do a collaboration. And what we wanted to do was a – uh, kettle sour saison uh, and so 
I don't know if, do you want to talk about how, how that went, how the kettle sour saison went? Because, um, it ended up, it, you know, this, this happens in brewing, you know, you're working with living organisms. You're working with things that, um, have an attitude and sometimes that attitude is one way and sometimes that attitude is another way. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah. um, we start off with a, wanting to do a kettle sour and me and Ryan had done two previous to this. Um, but something kind of, I don't know, happened with this one. What was that? Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's the, you know, every time you make a beer, you always learn lessons, you know, sometimes, uh, some of those lessons turn out like, oh, hey, you know, I learned a really great deal of this. And sometimes just like, oh man, you bonehead, like, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad you learned what you did. And, you know, this is something I should know. I've made, I've made quite a few kettle sours at Borderlands and I should know the process of everything. But, you know, at the end of the day, essentially what happens is you get in the gear, you get talking, you get, you know, you have fun. And, you know, as a brewer, you have your own way that you do things and everything. And sometimes some gears are just in motion faster than others. And so I think what really happened was <clears throat> you don't first wart hop a, you don't hop your goddamn wart before you do a kettle sour. So that's just, uh, that's just, that's one thing that, that, you know, we learned. So it was kind of nice being in that mindset in that mode, but it's, it's fun. You know, it's when you're on a smaller system, cause you know, working over at borderlands, which is a really beautiful 20 barrel hard piped mm. uh, premier system where you just turn dials all day and, you know, punch things. It's pretty, it's pretty punch, easy. So punch things. Buttons, buttons, sorry, oh, punch okay. buttons. Okay, uh, you know, you know uh, it's uh, hopefully not things, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, it's, it's fun learning a different process in the way you do things. And sometimes you're just so caught up, and especially for me, and learning the way that somebody does that on a smaller system and a smaller process, you know, you forget that you're supposed to cut out certain letters of the alphabet when you're trying to get an equation, you know, so... We plugged in X, Y, and Z when it would just need to be Y and Z. So, but hey, the beer turned out beautiful. You know, and and we were on our toes, man. Like, uh, and and you were here for the whole weekend, which which was I was great, there for the whole the whole shabam, awesome. man. I didn't want to leave at all. Yeah, and so we we had this. Uh, if you don't know what a kettle sour is, basically you you want to you add lactobacillus, the same thing. If you take out your yogurt carton. Uh, carton, I don't know, plastic bucket thing. Yeah. And you look at it, uh, you see live and active cultures and it lists them, that's lactobacillus. And so they're going to create this lactic acid, which is going to sour your, well, sour, it's going to release a, a, a souring agent. And so, because it's not beer yet. But what we've done in the past is we've added yogurt, actually added yogurt to the sugar water, the wort, in the kettle, let it sour to a certain pH, dropping pH, and then um, boil it and kill all that lactic acid or lactobacillus. Um, and so what we, for some reason, and we added two cartons, man. We took, we took one carton of Greek gods, uh, transparency, we're not sponsored by Greek gods or anything like that, but Greek gods, <laughs> it's worked better for us before. We put Greek gods yogurt in, um, normally the lactobacillus, I and mean, you set it at a certain temperature and the lactobacillus takes over and it starts creating lactic acid, which drops the pH and makes that sourness. Um, and it just, it didn't go. And, it, and, and you talk about the first, first wort hopping and no, we haven't done that before, but I mean, it was, <coughs> was it over 10 IBUs? It wasn't, 
It was maybe yeah. just barely over 10 IBUs on that. Yeah, but, that's uh, all it takes. That's the only thing we could figure out is that that inhibited the lactobacillus, and we even threw another carton in there the next day when it wasn't dropping. But I'll tell you what, yeah. um, one of the characters, this beer has a lot of character. One of the characters of this beer is a slight tartness. And the lactobacillus did throw character into this beer. It did. I mean, it smelled great. So there is some kind of, there was ester production and there was some kind of lactic yes. acid being formed. So there, there, yes. there was, there is some stuff going on for sure. And it's amazing just to go to, just to go to show, you know, this is a great lesson for any brewers at home or anybody who wants to do sours is hops, even, even at such a minimal level of like even just a little bit of isomerization have such potent antiseptic properties that they still will inhibit a lot of things. Yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 a, it was yep. a good lesson, but you know, again, at the same time, it was just also kind of moving in a different dance, I guess you could say, you know, learning somebody else's different groove on how you do something. And, you know, you just took a different I Well, I fudged that, but <laughs> still came yeah. out to a beautiful beer. There's still some, there is still some work from, from that yogurt. So there was something, mm -hmm. To be said from it. it did it did add a different layer of depth to it yeah but yeah and like you even said i mean we were sitting out on the the soon-to-be patio i don't know was the patio open at that point uh it or? was yes it was it was the first day that we okay. opened yeah because we were just setting you guys were just setting everything together before okay. opening. yeah and we were sitting out there and and you could you could you literally could smell that the esters and the, the different chemicals that were being produced by the lactobacillus, I, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. But it just, it just didn't drop that pH. So we decided after that to take it and um, a Saison base, which is the Saison is a basically a description of, of the yeast that's used in Saison style beers creates, um, I, I call it a pepperiness. Would you describe Saison bases or Saison uh, beers uh, any differently? How would you describe Saison? Saisons are beautiful, yeah. So they, the, the whole farmhouse idea become, comes from this nice lemony, peppery, subtle mm. grass character, you know, subtle, Ooh, nice. uh, gorgeous aromatic characteristic to it that's reminiscent of uh, peppercorns and, you know, and, and cloves. So, it's yeah. It will it will have almost some of a similar background character to half of Weizen, but it's not nearly as sweet. Not so much banana, you know. No. So, yeah, but that that yeah that that's a that's actually I don't think I've ever thought of it as being kind of a, a like a a cousin of Hefeweizen. It does have that those esters those those like pepperiness, like almost of the clove, but like not not as said, intense. Not the bananas. Yeah. Yeah, no, not as intense. Yeah, it's very subtle, but it's it's there and that peppiness. We love saisons in dark sky. We do yeah. a lot of saisons, mostly because the yeast can handle higher temperatures and our non-jacketed fermenters. <laughs> but yeah, that's ideal. Yeah, and and we had um, at that point we did have some uh, mosaic hops uh, to put in there, and then and then El Dorado. So what we did is we said, okay, it's not going to be it's not going to be a sour saison. That's fine. We'll, we'll, you know, it's going to be slightly tart. It's going to be estery. So we decided to <laughs> kind of go American on it, American craft beer, and just hop the crap out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Which so, was great. I oh, thought, because I, 
I, I had, man, when you, when, you, when you guys pulled out the Rakao and the Eldorado and the Mosaic, I just looked at you guys like, you know what, if, if, if you want to throw this all in the Whirlpool and, and dry hop it, then I, I think you guys are the insane, but also the most beautiful human beings on earth. So let's go ahead and do this shit. Yeah. Uh, so. Absolutely. Just, yeah, throw those delicious, gorgeous hops in there. And, and so, so I think with this beer and, um, you know, hopefully people either in Flagstaff have, have tasted it recently or in Tucson will taste it very soon. Um, that, that pepperiness and, and farmhouseness of the Saison yeast and then that big citrusy, almost kind of pepperiness of the hops, uh, almost like mm-hmm. flower. It's, I mean, it is, it is Saison flower juice. It's like you went to a Belgian like field full of flowers and took a giant tongue and just licked it. Um, which is a very weird description, but it's like so floral on the smell and yeah, the, the end product was great, but it was a crazy, crazy weekend, man. We were like, yeah, what are we going to do? <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. with you and, and you've got such energy. It's actually, it was actually a hard collaboration because like, I know me, you and Ryan just, being there and brewing and talking and nerding out so hard, sometimes we'd be like, oh, wait, okay, we got to go do this. We got to go do that. Yeah, and, yeah there's a couple of <laughs> moments, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the collaboration uh, collaboration kind of dynamic is, is sometimes a little difficult when you meld a lot, uh, meld really well with, with each other. So, yeah. um, all right, we are at uh, – we're getting close to the hour here, um, but I definitely wanted to, to ask a couple of questions um, we didn't actually talk about, about where your beers are going. So I want you to talk about your beers and your passion for beers. Like what am I going to experience when I walk into, into Harbottle? Explain that, uh, kind of that experience for me. What, what you'd like to see at least. Cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit easier to do like in the two part questions. So the beer first and like what the actual scene's going to be like. Hmm. Uh, so, so the beer that we're going to come out with is going to be, a little bit, I mean, everybody says everything they're, they're going to do is a little bit different, but what we're going to take a, a, a head on is hitting classic styles and rustic styles and some, some, sometimes a little bit more of the experimentational stuff, a little bit more. So I don't want to do a lot of, I'm not going to see a lot of cranberry, blackberry, this. You will see that in sours, but not so much in anything. I love hmm. English beers. I love German beers. Big big uh big love for belgian beers so people are nice. going to see a lot of those kinds of things a lot of things that people are going to see that are a little bit be, be a little bit more surprising and kind of be a little bit more thought-provoking are a little bit more of classic styles so the two that i've done that are very nice are like the english old ale that we did at 1912 uh definitely something that was a little bit more different and off of people's radar was the kentucky common which is a pre-prohibition style american ale huh uh that was a really good hit over at borderlands uh, which is on tap right now, and it's tasting really, really good, which is basically a dark cream ale that we did a kettle sour with. Whoa, a dark yeah. cream ale kettle sour. Yeah, man, that's, we, that's Kentucky, killer. Oh, that's a Kentucky yeah. And people yeah, in Tucson so has, can get that right now at Borderlands? Yeah, yeah, so we, that'll be on tap this uh, this Wednesday. What? Throughout the rest of the week over at uh, Borderlands. So, yeah, it was just tap for all souls. It's really good. Um, oh, awesome. So things like that, there's a pre-prohibition style Pilsner that I have, which is basically just something that's super malty. It's really high in ABV. It's like close to 7%. 
Uh, there's a cut buster, which is kind of a mutt. It's a little bit of like a... Uh, <laughs> think of like a, uh, a half of Weizen with rye, oats, and honey. And uh, that's, that's what one of those are. It's a very old uh, nice. German-style beer. Adam beers are kind of fun to play around with. So people will kind of see some interesting things from us. So some something along those lines. Also, we will do like an IPA, a couple West Coast style IPAs is in our repertoire. Uh, I will also doing something kind of subtle and different that I saw in the Northwest that I fell in love with, like the oatmeal pale ale. Yeah, I, I wanted to, I totally wanted to ask you about that for sure because I saw that on the website that. That's um, definitely probably what I'm leaning more is our flagship. I want that to be kind of like our, our mainstay easy drinking, you know, thing. <laughs> thing. Yeah. Is So is the oatmeal for, I'm sure it's for a lot of things, but um, what's what character does the, to do the oats? I'm, I'm assuming you're using flaked oats uh, and creating a pale ale. A little, yeah. Um, this one is kind of fun. So yeah, the first recipe we did, we used a bunch of flaked oats. And obviously that's just, it doesn't add too much flavor. It's more for body mouthfeel. It's very yep. creamy. That's why I love oats. There's actually, there's oats in our uh, Saison that we did. Uh, so yeah. uh, the, the oatmeal pale ale is kind of nice because, you know, typically for a grist, you want to back off more than, you know, with the 5%. There's a, there's a whopping 15% Woo. pee that I have. But the last 5% is for uh, naked golden Simpson oats. So those are actually malted. And uh, they're kilned for a little bit longer, and those add just a very beautiful amount of flavor. Really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of cool stuff that kind of goes on with that. Um, cool. Yeah, man. So the so, so that'll be that's kind of going to be one of your core beers, you think? Then. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, if we can get the hop contracts, I want Citroen Galaxy to kind of be like the <laughs> the hops in that. So there's kind of the American Pale Ale part. So you know what I'm saying? We can't we can't vary too far off of it being like you know, a nice hoppy pale ale, but I want it to be different. I want it to be a little bit lower ABV, uh, a little bit maltier. The base, the base malt that I have in it's just zero uh, mixed with Maris Otter as well as Victory and uh, Munich. So I'm going for a huge biscuity, bread crusty kind of malty, just super flavorful uh, uh, pale ale, you know, and it's kind of, it's kind of taking awesome. things back and, and getting back into what I, what I remember pale ales being, being beautiful for. So, yeah, kind of. That's another one. Uh, doing a black lager or a Kolsch Ooh. beer too that we want to do for one of our lighter beers is a is another flagship. So nice, easy Ooh, drinking really? beers. Yeah, ESBs. So also sessionable beer, sessionable beers that people can come in and have quite a few from because we are far from downtown. So okay. I don't want to hit people over the head with you know fifteen percent <laughs> this or twelve percent that. You know. Yeah. No, I, uh, oh, sorry, he's bouncing around there. That's awesome. So, so you think, uh, a black lager would be one of your, one of your core beers as well? That'd be kind of nice. Just something, you know, like, like I love sports beers. I think they're very, very beautiful German style beer. You know, it's kind of that like mellow, uh, it looks like a porter, but drinks just like a beautiful lager with just a little, little bit more of like a multi kick to it, you know? Yes, absolutely. So. <coughs> But lagers take time, so that's kind of the other yeah. thing too. It's a little, little bit easier to pull off a black ale uh, for opening purposes. So there's there's things like that to consider as well. Absolutely, yeah. Lagers take they take tank take tank time. Um, well, I'll <laughs> say that three times fast. Uh, 
but no doubt you all be able to do it. So, man, uh, I feel like there should be a part two once you guys open. If you're down with that, I would love to talk. Oh to yeah, you yeah, because we haven't even got to the part where we talked about the sours. So. <laughs> Yeah, and that's oh man. So are you guys going for is the barrel age program? So really, okay. Oh, oh, that's okay. That's definitely part two. But just touch real fast. Are you guys going to have what about what percentage would you say your sour you want? So ideal situation, what percentage of it would you want to be a, a sour program, a barrel age sour program? Uh, well, at, at max efficiency, I'd say probably anywhere from like a, from like a fourth to a third of of what we're doing. Oh wow! So nice. Yeah, I I want people to know that it's going to be a huge mainstay of of what we're doing. And yes, we were we will be practicing some of the same facilities, but we uh, as we do our normal beers. But we're going to be using a really regimented cleaning system. It's going to be a little bit more tight end than what people are kind of nice. used to at a normal brewery. So we'll have fun when we get there. Well, it'll take time. You know, once we get the barrels and once we kind of get used to our brew system and stuff like that, come out with the wild beers first. So obviously the brat beers and then kind of work things mm. up to, uh, you know, some of the more barrel aged and stuff, things. So, yeah, we'll have fun. But that's that's what we have. You know, by year three, we want to have like a full, full, full blown sour program. But what time that does to, you know, take. <laughs> that may, Yeah, it does take time. Those barrels need time. Those sours need time. But like that makes that actually makes me like twice as excited to come down to Tucson and, and check you guys out. Um, I wish I could go visit my future self trying some of you because you out of anyone I've ever talked to um, people down in Tucson know this, that, that Andy knows the different species of Britannomyces. He knows the different species of Lactobacillus and he can talk your ear off about what they contribute and the, and the different flavor profiles that they contribute more than anyone I've talked to yet. So when, uh, when Harbottle says they're going to have a sour program and Andy's going to work on that, that's, uh, that's exciting. That is absolutely exciting, man. I, Okay, we got a part two. We'll do a part two very, very soon. <laughs> <Cool>. Sounds <laughs> um, groovy, man. All right, but right now we're about an hour, so I'm going to do the 12-pack questions with my online – online – my live online interviews. Uh, I want to do uh, right. some rapid-fire questions, and I did not prepare you for these, so I am uh, happy about okay. that. There's actually a two-part to it. The first part, I don't know if you'll be happy about okay. this or not. And I just talked to you about how or you are very science-minded and you've got those kind of like those molecules down and those, and those, uh, those flavors down. I'm actually going to give you a quick quiz with six oh, different – Yeah. Ha. With, you're going you're gonna to do well. And if you don't do well, whatever. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll edit the audio podcast, not the live one. No, I'm just kidding. Um, what do you want? Do you want – the flavor that these molecules give and you name the molecule or do you want me to tell you the molecule and you name the flavor? Which, which direction would you, I'll give you that much. I'll, which direction would you like to go with this? You, you give me the molecule, I'll name the flavor. Okay. All right. Yeah. I feel like I'll trip um, up my words or, or repeat something in there. With the like methyl and lean and yeah. I9. Yeah. Okay. And I'll, right. yeah. We're going to start off real easy. Real easy. Uh, all right, diacetyl or diacetyl, diacetyl. What uh, what flavor does that give? Butter. Butter. Na nice. Nasty yep. old butter. 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 Na butter. Nasty butter. Eh. Get your butter. Yeah. 
Uh, Actually, okay, really so, low levels, it's not that bad, but yeah, it's butter. No, no, yeah, and 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 acceptable in in certain yeah. beer styles. Um, so diacetyl. Or do you say diacetyl or do you say diacetyl? Diacetyl. Yeah, diacetyl. All right, second one. <laughs> All right. If you hated science class, you might throw up a little bit in your mouth when I say this word. Chlorophenol or 2,6-dichlorophenol. Oh, yeah, that's chlorine. That's nasty. That's uh, – <laughs> so, yeah, so that's – that's bad. You don't you don't want that in a beer. And and when it when Brett actually gets a hold of two six dichlorophenol, it'll metabolize it, and it'll turn into four ethyl glycol, which is band aids. So it's like super nasty. I knew you were gonna be totally fine with this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes, most of these you don't want in your beer. So these are off flavor. I went for the off flavor style here. Um, okay. Ooh. Uh, methyl thioacetate. Methyl thioacetate. Oh, I don't actually don't. I'm methyl thioacetate. I've heard of that one before. Well, I don't know what that is. I've heard of it. I don't no. know what it does. No, I don't know what that one is. I've heard of it before. Oh, methyl thioacetate is cooked vegetable. Not to not cream corn, but cooked vegetable like cauliflower. Nice. Oh. oh okay. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's not dimethyl disulfide? Ooh, that may be a future one that I'm going to ask you. Oh, okay. No, it's actually Never different. Mind. It's actually different. Uh, methyl. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. Huh. Yes. I've actually ah. smelt that. I've, I've smelt that in, in, in uh, beers before, too. Not very rare. I mean, not very common, but it happens. Yeah, for sure. Okay, isovaleric acid. Oh, that's gross. That's the super sweaty. That's like the... <laughs> That's from that's from all oxidized hops. That's like super yeah. gross, sweaty. That's yep. what actually. Sweat. That's what Parmesan. <laughs> that's that's the compound in Parmesan cheese. Yes, exactly. That's the yes, the stale, yeah. sweaty cheese. The stank. The stank. It's the stank. Which, yeah, I think I think some people, if they had an IPA with a lot of isovaleric acid, they might be like, "Oh, this is dank." <laughs> but you're not. You're not, <laughs> not tasting dank. You're tank, tasting stank. <laughs> <laughs> Confusing yeah. the dank with the stank. Yeah, good. You got that one right off the bat. Okay, uh, probably an easy one for you. These are all easy. You're a smart guy. Uh, 3-methyl, 2-butene, 1-thiol, or, or in other words, 3-MBT. That's the uh, – that's skunk, right? That's the cat, that's yep. the cat piss. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's yep. from uh, that's from light struck. That's, that's when beer gets light struck, yeah. Yep, right. Oh, wait, no, that would give you the answers. Yeah, skunky and light struck is exactly it. This, this or or really shit ton of Simcoe. Or, <laughs> yeah, the cat piss Simcoe in a good way. Yeah, we're just a shit ton of Simcoe. I'll take, I'll take that cat, cat piss Simcoe hop any day. Um, yeah. And some people actually like that 3MBT right. um, well, a lot of people look for that in like the green bottle beers. Like yeah. a lot of people, like uh, you know, like Heineken and uh, mm -hmm. some of like the continental lagers and stuff from like Spain and like some of the cheaper German ones are will be in green glass. You know, they actually believe it or not, uh, the, a lot of uh, uh, Belgian brewers will will, will uh, bottle in uh, green uh, glass, especially for gooses, specifically Wait, for that compound. Show, show, that, show that again. I'm sorry, people didn't see that. Yeah, the, the yeah, some brewers right in Belgium will actually will will brew gooses. Well, they'll bottle some of the lambics and some of the gooses in green bottles for that skunk character. Sometimes yeah. so that yep. is just economically cheap as shit. So, 
There's two, there's two sides of that. Nice. And I've had people say, like, if you're out on a patio, there's something alluring. Some people find this, and, and I, I kind of do too in a certain That's kind of cool. way. There's something alluring about having your beer yeah. get a well, certain beers. I mean, we're talking about these ones that have the hot profile that can take a little bit of that skunkiness. Um, and they actually enjoy right. a little bit, a little bit of skunk in their beer. Um, but we digress. Okay, uh, isoamyl acetate, ballpark, boom. Banana, yeah, it's banana. Yeah, throw it up, throw it up, knock it out of the park. Fruity ester banana. Yeah, you know what you're talking about on that one. I gave you two yeah. easy ones. Okay, and then dimethyl sulfide. So yes. that's yeah. I'm actually that's the, the I that's that's the cream corn cooked vegetable green pumpkin. That's the one I always forget. Green? And oh. wait, hold on. No, that's acetaldehyde. I'm sorry. Oh, I've never heard no, of No, yeah, but DMS is green apple. Yeah. Yeah. That the yeah, no, but the green pumpkin too green? for acetaldehyde. That's the kind of weird. Yeah, it's oh. real weird, man. That that's the other one that I that I can identify it with. Yeah, but DMS who, is the goofball. Who who knows what a green pumpkin smells or tastes like? <laughs> Who's I've never yeah, seen anything but the orange pumpkin. <laughs> will you pass with flying colors on that now we're going to go to the rest of the 12 pack questions those are six um here's the other six uh could be random could be talking about beer could be not talking about beer uh number one uh pandora or spotify spotify oh man that's rough um like six stations on pandora that are like five years old so i kind of have to say Pandora, but I like Spotify because it's convenient. Uh, that was that was wishwashy, man. That was wishwashy. So Pandora, 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 okay, Pandora. <laughs> All right. Uh, what is the best meal that you can cook? Um, I've, well, I've only made it once, but it is the nicest thing I ever made. But it was uh, um, basically like Korean beef and broccoli. So Ooh, that nice. was kind of cool. Ooh. Yeah, that was pretty badass. That was the best thing I ever made. Sweet. Better tacos. <laughs> yeah, tacos. What is your go-to three-day weekend spot? You've got three-day weekend, no worries about brewery, no worries about anything else. What's your spot you go to? Um, well, I mean, ideally it would be Portland, but the one that I actually go to the most, I'd probably have to say Flagstaff. <laughs> hey Flagstaff, holla. Yeah. yeah, no, but sincerely, I do love going to Flag. It's pretty fun. Sweet. Uh, what is your fa uh, favorite go-to grub spot in Tucson? Like you're kind of walking around town, you're like, I got a grub right now. What's your go-to spot? Oh, man. There's a couple, but I have to say like on, on the fly, like that I just go to probably the most consistent – pardon me, my beer is carbonated too. Uh, Riley's. <laughs> Riley's? pizza man i swear i've just i they're they're their brussels sprouts are just retardedly delicious the wow. pizza is really brussels good sprouts. the happy hour is killer the drinks are good i don't know man I just the, i always i always end up finding myself at riley's you most most of the time nice awesome go to riley's people if you're in tucson um let's see uh advil or ibuprofen oh shit neither i don't take any man i'm kind of oh. one of those weirdos man nice <laughs> Probably better for it. Better for it. Um, all right. Uh, warm weather beach or snowy mountain adventure? Oh, shit. Well, I've never been on the snowy mountain adventure, but I probably would have to say even if I were given that, I'd probably take the beach. Yeah. Down by the beach, boy. And uh, 
Last one, a little bonus question here. I want to try to get people, uh, each person I interview, to give me uh, – so this is brew trail. So sometimes we talk about talk to brewers. Sometimes we talk to uh, outdoor enthusiasts. So one gear and one beer. And so what has, in your experience, been one piece of crucial gear, your, your go-to piece of gear, um, and that's open to any kind of gear uh, that you might use, we'll say, for brewing. Um, what's one gear recommendation that people should definitely have? Mm, damn that's kind of a hard one uh ideally like like at the end of the day probably uh um not a zom what the hell is the thing called uh oh a do meter if i could have yep. a do meter that would be like my that's like my heart's dream is like that's that's what i want I, I, honestly like i mean yeah i could have some other stuff but really damn good with beer uh with a do meter so that's kind of you know, yeah. that's my gear. That's my gear. If I could have a, it was just a dissolved oxygen meter. I should probably yes. say that. Sorry. I, I, yeah. I was going to explain uh, what a DO meter was, but yeah, oxygen yeah. is uh, one of the two main enemies of beer. So um, yeah, DO meter is very important, especially if you're packaging, man, if you're packaging. Yeah, you I know. Right. Have yeah. To have that, the, the one that sticks into the bottle or the can. Um, nice. Okay. So one piece of gear. So, and then besides uh, dark sky, um, what is one beer that you would recommend people get? And let's, uh, let's go ahead and talk to our Tucson listeners. So what's the beer recommendation for them right now? Rylander from Dragoon. <laughs> Rylander from Dragoon? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, man, I swear that beer is crazy. It's basically the Rye Double IPA, but Ooh. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a wonderful creature in of itself. Oh, Awesome. Nice. And so if you're out in Tucson, go grab the Rylander. Um, and if you are in Tucson also, look forward to Andy just blowing up the scene with, it sounds like, some classic styles but some crazy sours. I can't wait to talk about the sour program um, and a part two of this interview. Uh, but if you're in Tucson, look out, especially South Tucson. Uh, look out for Harbottle. Um, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's got an awesome energy. There's no way that they're not going to just be, be rad. Um, and, and thank you, Andy, for, for coming on and talking to us at Brew Trails. I'll get this audio podcast out soon. Uh, for all you people watching live, thank you so much. I, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, it's really fun to do live interviews. And we went all the way to Tucson for this one. We're getting big. Um, <laughs> yeah. If people want to to follow you or to know more about you know the the process of, of or not the process but like where you're at with the brewery and, and opening date and all that stuff and and to see where you're at uh, just kind of plug yourself now what how can people find out about you guys? Uh, so our Facebook is live right now. You can find us for Flux Brewing Company on Facebook. Our Twitter's live, Instagram's live, all of the social media uh, realms are there. And then you can also find us at fluxbrewingcompany.com. Uh, we'll, we'll roll over to Harbottle very, very, very soon, but all of it can be kind of just traced through that at the moment. So Nice. Awesome. Cool. Andy, you are the man. Uh, I wish you weren't four hours away or the way you drive three hours away. Uh, but <laughs> um, come on to Flagstaff soon. I'll be getting down to Tucson soon. Uh, we'll get you this delicious, gorgeous beer, which is absolutely empty. 32 ounces during this interview. I am a brewer. Nice. Uh, <laughs> anyway. So thank you again, Andy, and thank you yeah, to everybody thanks, man. watching. And um, yeah, I hope you had a good time. And uh, yeah, cheers, man. Yeah, cheers, mate. Peace.
Yeah, peace, man.